0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rob Port on WDAY. Good afternoon, Attil.
1: Good afternoon. Did you guys get as much snow up there as we did down here? I'm guessing not.
0: We got zero snow.
1: Oh, that's disappointing. I like the snow. It's beautiful
0: out. You know, I'm I'm ready for it. it. It feels weird for it to be in, you know, near the 70s in November. Yeah, um, yeah. one of the reasons I like living in North Dakota, I like the four seasons. I, I like, you know, I like having very defined seasons. I don't like it to be summer all the time. I like, I like the distinct seasons. So when November rolls around, I'm ready for winter.
1: I am too, and I was I was so ready for winter that I stood outside for a midnight release for a video game last night in the worst of the snow, and it was
0: totally <laughs> worth it. What video game?
1: Ah, uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon came out today. Oh.
0: I, yeah, I don't know. I somehow missed, I somehow missed the Pokemon thing.
1: I've been playing Pokemon since I was 11, since it first came out in the States.
0: Yeah, I I missed the entire thing. I had a, I had a Nintendo. I was big into Zelda and Mario and, you know, I got up to the Nintendo 64 and it seemed right about then, you know, my interest in video games started waning a little bit. I don't know. Ah. I miss the Pokemon craze, and uh, and now my kids, you know, playing Pokemon Go and all that stuff. They're they're into it, and well,
1: oh, you, you watch know. out; they're going to want two DSs and
0: Pokemon Sun and Moon zoom. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> we are uh, we in a moment going to be speaking with Williston Herald reporter Renee Jean uh, Renee Jean, excuse me. Uh, she's going to be uh, on the program. She had a she, she had a multi part series in in the Williston Herald, uh, which is worth your time to seek out. But the the last um, part of that series was pretty interesting to me, where she describes sort of the treatment of uh, reporters and journalists down at the uh, protest camps against the Dakota Access Pipeline. We're going to talk with her in just a moment. Also coming up a little later in the program, House Majority Leader Al Carlson is on the show. The uh, legislative management, which is sort of the um, – well, it's it's the committee that that performs a lot of the day to day functions or the more routine functions of the legislature during the interim. They voted to uh, to reduce the number of addresses to the legislature at the beginning of the session. Now we have one, you know, the governor's state of the state address that's required by law. Uh, that one's going to go ahead, uh, but two other addresses, the tribal address and the the address from the judiciary, uh, are not going to happen. Uh, the legislature citing security concerns over the dakota access protest we'll talk with him about that decision coming up plus your phone call 701-293-9000-888-970-9329 uh now by the way you can email me to talk at wday.com now my guest renee jean from the williston herald renee thanks for your time hey good to be here today you're uh and and again Take the time to, to, to seek out Renee's uh, stories. They're in the uh, in the Wilson Herald. All of them are worth your time to read. Uh, but the last part of it I, I thought was interesting. I'm going I'm to read a quote. This is Renee writing about her experiences as a journalist down at the protest camp. She says, I quote, we were not to take photographs where people were recognizable without Asking first, nor were we to take pictures of people wearing Native American regalia or engaging in private prayer or ceremonies without explicit permission. Even if we were going on an action that might be in a public place and involve interactions with public officials, we could only take photos if given permission by the action leader or else we might lose our pass as well as perhaps all our work. If we behaved like, quote, paparazzi and peppered people with too many uncomfortable questions, we were again inviting security to come surround us, take our equipment, and delete all our work. That meant we couldn't really press for answers to tough questions, and we had to be careful who we asked such questions and where because we could be overheard by someone who might call security. Renee, I, I got to say, that, that sounds a little troubling. Uh, tell us more about that. Expand on that.
1: Well, I, you know, part of the reason I decided to do the journalist piece, and uh, I really struggled with whether to write that at all, because I never think the journalist should be the story, but it did affect the information that we could bring people, and so I felt it was fair for readers to understand what my limitations were. So, you know, certainly the First Amendment, I didn't have to go in there under those conditions. I could have tried to, you know, skate under the wire, I suppose, but uh, people have been, had their work deleted that way too. In fact, the guy standing next to me uh, in line had his work deleted because he didn't get it passed. And so I felt a big reason why I went ahead and went through that was I wanted to make sure that I was reflecting the tribal perspective in the series. That's been pretty that's been just as difficult to get as the pipeline safety aspects were. Um, uh, Chairman Archambault is a very busy person right now. He has lots of larger media surrounding him. Uh, he didn't have time for the Wollaston Herald. So I, I really dove into the camp to try and get that tribal perspective from sure. someone and was successful in doing that, but I did feel like I had to be careful
0: how yeah. i went about it <laughs> let me when, when you say d- delete work or y- you make reference to that a couple of times in the article where you might you know have your work deleted or might have it d- destroyed I mean, mm-hmm. what does that mean i mean would they come over and like take your camera and delete pictures would they tear up your notes i mean what what does that mean
1: well it didn't happen to me so i'm i'm telling you this as it was told to me by the gentleman who was standing to my right, waiting in line to be processed. Apparently that had happened to him. He went into the camp without getting his uh, press pass, and he just started working, uh, which I totally understand. You know, it's pretty tempting to do that. You just drive up. They don't really ask you any questions. If you don't immediately identify yourself as the media, they don't necessarily tell you that you have to go through this process. Well, so evidently as he was interviewing someone, um, security came and surrounded him, not just one person but a whole group, and took his camera and deleted his all of his pictures and told him that he would have to go to Media Hill or be asked to leave the camp. And since it's a private, you know, it's kind of a private property issue, I guess, because they're managing the camp. It's their camp. So,
0: <laughs> why, why didn't? Why, why haven't we heard... And, and by the way, if you want to join the program, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. You know, we heard a lot about uh, the, the issue with, with, um, and, and Amy Dalrymple for Forum News Service has done a story about this. And certainly the, the situation with Amy Goodman, who is a, a journalist who works for an organization called Democracy Now, who was, had, uh, charges pressed against her for, for trespassing. And, and I, I think later they were changed to, uh, engaging in a riot and the judge threw those out. And it, it caused a lot of criticism of the state of North Dakota and law enforcement over the First Amendment issue and, and whether or not they were cracking down on reporters so why has it this treatment at, at at the protest camps gotten more coverage and i and i say that as i think it's perfectly valid to be critical or to have a discussion about the way law enforcement or, or the state of north dakota is 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 handling or treating journalists i think that's all 100% in bounds but i was surprised because your report about the treatment of of journalists is really the only one i've read about this if this is going on why haven't we heard more about it
1: Well, you know, I think ordinarily the journalist isn't the story. I mean, we're taught not to insert ourselves in the news. So if I'm writing about the tribal perspective, there's really no space in there to address that. But since I did a series on all the perspectives, I got to the end of it and I felt like, you know, I might have a few things for people to consider about it. So I did go ahead and write my perspective. But since it it, it lent it's the treatment that I gave it lent itself to that I think I don't I don't think your ordinary news story really does
0: well I've got a few more questions for you can you hold to the break mm-hmm. I'm talking with Renee sure. Jean she is a reporter for the Williston Herald again excellent series about the Dakota access protests in the Williston Herald please check that out uh, at their website it's available online. Uh, if you want to join the program, 701 9000 888 970 9329 It's a toll-free number. Email talk at wday.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Port here on WDAY 701 888 Talking with Wilson Herald reporter Rene Jean. I'm butchering your name, Renee. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I've been called worse. I'm, I'm not, I'm not very good with pronunciation sometimes. R- Renee Jean, uh, Wilson Herald reporter, excellent series ab- about the Dakota Access protest. They're all worth your time to read. We were talking about, uh, the treatment of, uh, journalists down at, at the camp. Uh, you know, another thing that I thought was interesting, you, you describe a, a point at which you were standing in line with other journalists at, at what was called Media Hill. Uh, down at the protest camps, uh, where you're standing in line, I'm assuming to get your, to get your, your permits to, to cover the, um, mm-hmm. or passes to cover the protests. Uh, and you said there were three from New York and they wanted to know where the Dakota Access Pipeline was. And you pointed out that, you know, there's the electrical towers that are there, uh, because it's an existing, uh, utility corridor and there's already some pipeline infrastructure there. Uh, and, and, when you're telling them this, they sort of rolled their eyes and, and were talking about company propaganda. Did you run into a lot of that where it was, is journalists sort of already having an assumption about what was coming on here or coming down and and covering this from an angle? You
1: know, I I can't say that I did while I was at the camp because really the only time I interacted with journalists at the camp was while standing in line. But I do think that it was highly unusual for any journalist to so clearly have a slant that they were going to take on their story, and both of the journalists to either side of me had slants. I'm not clear what the guy to my right was. After having all his work deleted, he wasn't eager to talk to anybody about anything. So. but I thought that was highly unusual to me. It seems like we're entering an era of advocacy journalism, and I, I think that's part of why I wrote the piece because I want the reader to think about whether that's the kind of journalism they want.
0: Sure, sure. 888-970-9329. You spent several days down there on the ground, um, trying to bring some some perspective to this. What's, what's the storyline? I mean, if you, if you had to identify something for, for our listeners here that that's maybe getting overlooked or is getting overshadowed in, in all the coverage of this, what would it be? What's, what's the public missing on this?
1: Well, I think one thing that's maybe not apparent from a lot of the coverage that I've been reading coming out about it is that there's really not a big, bad, evil person Whichever slant you take, always casts one side as the evildoer. There really isn't that here. Everyone down there is acting from what they feel to be legitimate reasons. And I, that's kind of why I tried to bring out in the perspective series. to, For those who are interested and want to understand where these other folks are coming from, there's a perspective from everyone down there except pipeline workers. I wasn't able to get that. They wouldn't uh i couldn't arrange an interview with them
0: yeah uh you know certainly it's it's been it's been tough and there's so much going on and and now you know today we have reports that um you know the uh, people are are tracking down the identities of of law enforcement agencies and i guess morton Clown county is alleging that uh those law enforcement people are being harassed or whatever i mean there's a lot of concerns and certainly we've seen Uh, Some stuff I I, during the protest that I think a lot of people would find objectionable. uh, You know, whatever the the motivation or whatever the cause. I, you know, I I think it's I think it's hard for a lot of people to to understand. You said you had some difficulties mm-hmm. with I mean, I and I don't want to I want to be clear. You had difficulties, you know, covering and and you were made to sort of run. I think your term was an obstacle course, uh, to, to cover the protests. But you said you had some problems with the pipeline company and law enforcement as well. Co- um, describe that for us.
1: Yeah, I think actually probably the most restrictive to me has been the pipeline company. Even before the protest began, I had been trying to tell the story about the pipeline safety parameters because I had overheard in passing that it's going to be the safest in the state. So I heard that, and I thought, well, that could be a, a good story, you know. Sure. Um, but I really didn't get anywhere with that. I was directed to a website. It's pretty – it's – not that it's a bad website but it just you can't press a website for questions you can't ask it questions about things you don't yeah. understand it's just not complete enough to do that kind of a story uh ultimately it took three different entities to bring that story about the pipeline union helped me uh enbridge helped me and the uh, public service commissioner chairman julie fedorchak uh, those three, I really owe them uh, for that story. Wouldn't have come about without their help.
0: Well, Renee, the, thank you. I, I, I'm sorry, go okay. ahead. Okay.
1: The police uh, restrictions you know, you couldn't go down there and watch a protest as a neutral party because the police wouldn't let you through their checkpoint. You had to go through the protesters' checkpoint. So if you want to go on an action, you had to take protester training. And go on a bus with them so you know basically you look like a protester yeah out there to law enforcement because you get off the bus with them
0: <laughs> yeah well that's, that's you know I, and that's, that's I think that's, that sounds to me like a valid criticism of, of law enforcement I wish we had more time to get into that uh, but certainly appreciate it and again uh, Renee's work yep. at Will, at the Williston Herald be sure to check that out Renee thank you for your time
1: thank you for having me
0: More to come straight ahead. House Majority Leader Al Carlson on the program. Your call in number 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back. This is Rob Port here on WDAY. My uh, guest now is uh, House Majority Leader Al Carlson. If you want to join the program, comments or questions, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329 is a toll-free number. You can email me as well, talk at WDAY.com uh representative carlson thanks for your time welcome to the program
2: yes welcome to you it's been it, it's a change in the weather i want the other weather back talk to your weather man
0: yeah we were just talking uh, the teal and i were just talking how we were really looking forward to the winter weather um, i'm i'm ready for it i like winter
2: I'm ready for ice fishing, but it's got to get a little colder and thicker before they find me out there.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I moved down here from Alaska, so as far as I'm concerned, when I was 10 years old, I thought when I moved to North Dakota that people were going to have, like, southern accents and be eating eating grits (laughs) and saying y'all and everything. That's what I thought when I was 10. Um, Yeah. Al, uh, yesterday legislative management voted not to uh, have the... um, Judiciary address to the legislature, not to have the tribal address to the legislature. This this has provoked a a lot of criticism for people. The legislature, according to reports, making this decision uh, because of uh, security concerns. Tell us more about it. Why why was this decision made?
2: You know, every session, Rob, we meet with uh, law enforcement, the highway patrol folks, the security folks uh, that are involved in the monitoring of the capital. And we have an update of what we think is going to be necessary for the next session. And there's a lot of concern about uh, how stretched our resources have been when there is basically about 100 law enforcement people involved every day in the DAPL issue that's out there and having to respond to protests in various directions. Uh, We've had to shut the Capitol in a couple different times uh, where you basically almost have to escort the employees in the Capitol – in and out of the building because of the protests. Uh, we have a very, and I'm, I'm proud of the fact that North Dakota is a very open system. Uh, we don't have metal detectors. We don't have metal wands that so we check everybody coming in. You can stand in the main chamber right behind us when we're, we're performing our, our uh, legislative duties. You can be up in the uh, balcony, and uh, we've really had very few or any destruct- uh, distractions or, uh, or times when we've limited people to be in there. But there's a lot of concern on law enforcement. As long as they have over 100 people a day, uh, various law enforcement agencies following this issue and trying to keep it under control, that their resources are stretched so far. We're concerned about the security of the Capitol. Uh, I don't want to see the day where we have to put in metal detectors. So the thought was that we, uh, if, if things weren't required by law, that we should not have those uh, events. And uh, ever since we've done that, we've been in discussion with Scott Davis. You might want to talk to Scott about how to handle dealing with uh, meetings with the Native American tribes. And as you know, there are five different tribes that are involved. Uh, they're very different in, in their needs and their issues on their in their various uh, reservations and tribes. So we have uh, been organizing and setting up meetings with the tribal councils and the minority and majority leadership. Uh, during the upcoming session, to meet with those folks, and that will basically replace the uh, state of the of the tribes address that we were going to receive.
0: In in one of the uh, in, in one of the articles about the decision, I, I read where where somebody was was questioning whether or not legislative management had the authority to make this decision. What's your response to that?
2: Well, we have we have the decision that our management, by our authorities, were given is to handle all the uh, the duties required. Uh, for the proper maintenance and operation of our session, So we clearly have the authority to, to do those. We have we have the authority to add addresses. We have authority to take them away. Some of the, the, the state of the state address by the governor is, is acquired by law. Those other two have been a courtesy over the years, and we still will communicate with those people. In fact, I think it's better to meet tribe by tribe When uh, when I when, now that I look in retrospect uh, about this whole thing because, each of them has different needs and interests and have different relationships, whether it be a compact or whatever with the state. So I think dealing with them one-on-one instead of one, always had trouble speaking for the five because they have they're very they're very different. So I think it's a good deal. But we do definitely have the authority.
0: I was I was speaking after the uh, after I first wrote about this yesterday. Scott Davis, who as as you mentioned, is the uh, North Dakota's Commission on Indian Affairs, he said that he had he had spoken with yourself and and the other leadership, and had set up what you just described as the private meetings. And his argument was actually that um, his argument was was actually that, that this was going to be better. Um, that in his eyes, it was better because all the tribes are going to speak. And, and the way this worked in the past is is it was basically you had one spokesman, maybe one of the tribal, tribal uh, council members or, or tribal chairman, get up and, and address the legislature on behalf of all the tribes. But in this way, each tribe gets their own meeting. Is, is that how you're describing it?
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's, I think in the end that's better. And uh, like I said, they're very different. And uh, sometimes the message from one tribe, the, the, the one that was chosen to speak, did not necessarily apply to some of the other tribes. I mean, we have different agreements with them, whether it be on gas tax or cigarette tax or gaming compacts. We have various things with various tribes. Some of them have uh, social issues and things uh, that, that require more attention or are a bigger problem than others. And I, I think we need to talk about the behavioral health, the drug abuse, the, how we assist in, in county social services, maintain, maintenance of the highways and infrastructure up at the three affiliated tribes. They all have different issues. And I think it's a great way to do it. You know, the intention was this whole reason this even came up was for the safety of not only the, the legislators and the staff, but all those people that work in the tower, uh, and and uh, to control the uh, the access and have metal detectors. I hope we don't have to do that. And uh, you know, if that day ever comes, I guess we will. When we make, when we feel that 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 there's enough concern for the safety of the people there that we have to do it, I guess we'll make that decision. But our law enforcement, after meeting with the Highway Patrol and those folks, we were definitely convinced that we had to be on alert. And they said uh, they were—they convinced that, that we needed to be on high alert during our session. So uh, we take their recommendation seriously, and we acted, I think, appropriately. Why? Why
0: the judiciary address in addition to the tribal address?
2: Well, they're both scheduled the same afternoon, and they'd be coming. Uh, basically as groups at the same time for both of them so we're gonna we're going take both of those addresses again we have constant contact with the judiciary that was a 20 or 25 uh, minute speech and coffee in the hallway afterwards and uh, and the, the Native Americans were scheduled right behind them that day so we felt that if you were going to do one they should do both because security issues would apply to both of them
0: do you obviously you know these addresses are no more and, and in co- conjunction with law enforcement you feel like like maybe an opportunity for disruption there has been eliminated but as you say you know, when I've been down to the legislative and, and I, I think it's a wonderful thing how open our legislature is that you could basically just walk in. We
2: have, by the way, we have the most open chamber in the country.
0: Absolutely. And it's wonderful. And I don't want it to change. Um, but what's, I mean, what what's the stop? I mean, what's, what's the distinction between these addresses and just the legislature meeting in floor session for just, Regular business. I mean, if, if nothing else is going to change, how is the legislature protecting itself from from possible from dis- disruption from protesters who have, have proven a willingness to uh, try to push their way into the Capitol, try to push their way in other places, and and be disruptive? What what steps the legislature taken on just a normal day of business?
2: Well, I tell you what, we uh, when we left our conversation with the security people at the Capitol and the Highway Patrol, we discussed many issues about access to the building and controlled access and key cards, all kinds of different issues. They're going to bring a proposal to us in the pre-section, and at that point in time, we'll release the new uh, uh, guidelines that we're going to have for security during the session. Uh, that, that's basically all I can tell you, is because they have not finalized it. We talked about a lot of different things, and there will be a plan that will be put forward as to how we're going to operate the session. And I'm with you, Rob. I think it's, it's a beautiful thing that we've been able to have an open process you got to realize that, that there's concerns here. We bring busloads of kids, little kids, in to the yeah. Capitol and sit on the floor with us. We, security is the number one, and safety is the number one issue. And if I'm riding, if I'm working in the tower wondering if I can get back out to my car or not uh, outside after work, that's not a good situation. No, it's not. And we've I, I protect those folks. I,
0: I hope the protesters don't spoil it for everybody. Representative Carlson, thanks for your time. Absolutely. House Majority Leader Al Carlson, more to come straight ahead, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com, local way. Rob report. Just a few minutes left. Hey, coming up uh, next week, state representative Rick Becker is going to be on the program. He had a, he had a video on Facebook, went kind of viral uh, being critical, asking for some leadership from the state of North Dakota over the Dakota access protests. We'll talk to him uh, about what he meant about that. Uh, also, I'm going to be staying, uh, staying on uh, for the first part of the Jay Thomas show. It stands, uh, sounds like, so uh, stay tuned for that as well. Uh, you know, one of the things I, I am, I am just deeply concerned about the legislature um, becoming less accessible to the people of North Dakota, as you just heard uh, Representative Carlson say, and I I think it's something you know just about anybody familiar with the workings of the legislature would agree with. We have a very very open process, a very open legislature. Um, anybody can walk in the chamber. It's very easy. You don't you don't have to get searched. I mean, basically the way it is, you walk into the Capitol, you tip your hat to the um, highway patrolman sitting at the desk and you walk into the chamber, as long as you don't touch the polished brass railing in there and get your fingerprints on it, you're not going to get in trouble. The committee hearings are wide open. If you want to testify on a bill, you can. Every bill gets a hearing. Every bill is available for testimony. Um, it's a beautiful process, and I'm afraid that, that the reactions of these protesters are going to ruin that for us. It's going to be another side effect for this. It's, it's frustrating and, and troubling. Anyway, that's it. Remember, you can catch me here Monday through Friday, 1 to 2 p.m., 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.